0: Peace, peace and welcome, I'm glad you're here. This is the Thank you. Cook on Quarantine podcast. I am here with uh, one of the most important education policymakers of a generation, <laughs> proud of, the pride of, of Baltimore. OK, uh, OK. <laughs> uh, the, the intellectual, <laughs> the,
1: <laughs> the hero. <laughs> all right now all yeah. right <laughs> I'll take that that pride of Baltimore got my heart that's what yeah. I'm like okay okay yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> um Mr. Brooks thank you for doing to go quarantine it's good to have you
1: thank you so much for inviting me um you know it's good to see somebody uh and uh, be in compliance with uh, the and regulations <laughs> <There> of <you go. laughs> the land, so. There you go.
0: Uh-oh, I already, it already messed up, hold huh? on.
1: Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, it, let's see. There you go, I'm back, can you hear me? I can hear you, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A standard, standard glitch, you know, um, that I've been experiencing throughout these, uh, uh, Podcast. Um, wait, You're, so, um, so it, it's pronounced Darrell. 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 So uh, Darrell Brooks is on the Board of Education in Baltimore. And yes. um, uh, we got the opportunity to meet briefly at a conference in DC. Uh, I haven't had the pleasure of actually going to Baltimore, uh, but um, I'm excited to like, kind of hear about your story, about what's happening. In Baltimore around the quarantine yeah uh, so uh so yeah we'll, 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 we'll right into it just before is it in Baltimore do you is it a, are you called a commissioner or a trustee or what is it commissioner okay. yeah okay we're also we're a commissioner, commissioner. Okay. yeah okay and so how long have you been elected
1: um in Baltimore so actually we are not elected we're appointed oh, my bad. um yeah. and so <laughs> I got appointed last August um, and that's a whole different process. I know it's different for each city or a large educational education, uh, educational agency versus some of the other states, you know, it just depends on where you are. But mm-hmm. for right now, we're just appointed.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, Is it always been that way or has it changed? Or? Um, I think yeah. there's always been an appointment process. Now, who does the appointing has changed since I can remember. So. Uh, At one point, it was uh, the mayor uh, who had full control, then the state uh, doing some historical stuff, took over city schools, um, then the governor did the appointing, um, and then maybe, my my time frame is a little bit off, I'd probably say within the last five years, uh, maybe a little bit longer, went back to the mayor doing the appointment. With the nomination of that process being led by a group of uh, community uh, agencies doing all of the vetting, so the NAACP, um, our um, uh, center, uh, civil rights organizations um, across the city, and for the the city of Baltimore itself, um, you know, uh, working um, working class uh, uh, groups for. for unions, so, so so the community panel is uh, the, the institute, you know, so when I went through, it was about um, 30 people in a room from all different organizations, um, mm-hmm. you know, grilling you <laughs> about yeah. what you're interested in and why you want to run and, or not even run, but why do you want to sort of right. serve in this capacity uh, for the city of Baltimore? Um, yeah, that's kind of, the gist of our process. Okay, okay. Uh, How many people are on the uh, Baltimore Board of Education? Yeah, so um, we have nine full um, voting members and we also have a student commissioner. Um, Mm -hmm. And so the student commissioner role, um, which um, pisses me off a little bit because uh, they don't vote for every single thing. Um, So there's some stipulations on what they can vote for Um, But nonetheless, we have some student voice. um, And I think for places like, um, I think for all educational boards or any kind of community board or whatever, you know, even for profit, I feel like we need student voice. So um, I'd actually like that to be more than one student um, (laughs) representing uh, in our space. But uh, currently, that's what we have allotted. Okay, okay.
0: Yeah, I think people are going to learn a lot. And for the people that uh, from your network that watch this, I mean, I know about our board, our, our board is elected. It's seven mm-hmm. members. We have uh, two student delegates. And, um, and one is voted on by the student body. there's just high school mm-hmm. students, like all high schools collectively. And the other is, uh, it comes from a, an advisory council. They're uh, from an the advisory council called the uh, Student Advisory Council. Um so nine members, one delegate uh, are there four year terms, or how does it:
1: Yeah, so we do um two three year terms, um, but you have at your third, uh, once your first term is up, essentially um, you get a choice you get to decide to stay on um, and uh, and if you decide to stay on then you'll get like a you might get like a small sort of ceremony to kind of acknowledge that you'll be on again um but uh, generally, yeah, uh, you might just decide you want to dip out because it's too much for free. So <laughs> we don't even get a Yeah, stipend. yeah. Are, you, so, are you stipend also? Like what is that? No.
0: <laughs> no, 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 no,
1: Nothing. No stipend, no. All volunteer, okay. Um, okay. you know, all, how do I describe it? Like, you know, so we usually average, I'd say between 15, 20 hours a week, depending on sort of like what's going on um, between our actual board meetings and our committee work. Um, but then like seriously, like, you know, um, you know, so there's just stuff to read and go through. And like I sit on the policy committee, so we got policies to review um, and on our strategic planning committee. So there's just a lot of stuff that's going on um, that we got to attend to on a regular basis. Um, and it's free. So, you know, I don't yeah, know too yeah. many people who can, uh, Volunteer twenty hours of <laughs> of their time, uh, you know, which is I think is a um, one of the challenges for having an uh, uh, an elected board. Um, I'm sorry, an appointed board with no um, with no stipend. Um, granted, I feel like we should get stipends, um, mm-hmm. but that's a whole nother issue. But I think for families um, or people who are interested in serving in the public in this capacity, like if you're not giving folks. Um, It is the reason why I can do my job and give up 20 hours during the week where we're meeting traditionally like during work hours is because I'm faculty right so my job allows me the flexibility to um, go to a meeting at noon, one o'clock but if you have a traditional nine to five job, this is going to be hard work for you. Um, And then on top of that, uh, then figuring out like how do you even manage an additional 20 hours when you know. Um The type of job that you have might sort of not be as flexible um, with sort of the, the demands of the volunteer role, so um so I'm very fortunate in that respect to 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 be able to serve um, and I think that's a lot of privilege that comes with um, with who actually can serve uh, that I think needs to be interrogated more often yeah
0: yeah no that's that's definitely on point and this is it's the same thing here you know because uh, I tell people. The way that I explain this is, you know, my dad drives uh, for our local transit agency, it's called Muni. And oh yeah, so, I live in San Francisco. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 <laughs> <More> people <laughs> don't know, you know. What's it my called course. out there, what's the transit the, out there called?
1: The uh, MTA, Mass Transit, yeah, okay. it's
0: called uh, the MTA. Yeah. Okay, yeah, so my dad drives for Muni, and um, if you're a Muni driver, uh, you know, running for school board, like, you know, campaigning during the day. Right. Um, and, and then all the stuff that comes, even even if you wanted to, schools operate during the day. <laughs> so even after you run, right, having the flexibility um, to actually leave work, to go to a school site, to engage or talk to people who work at the right. office, all of it, it, being on the school board, really only caters to a person in that has a certain type of lifestyle and that's that's problematic on top of the fact that um, it, it's discouraging because you know you spend this time and you cover your living expenses is, is going to be a barrier. Um, right that's real. You don't want to hear us graph about our school more well. <laughs> let's get into, into your yes story. <laughs> Did you, were, you, were you raised in Baltimore?
1: Yes I'm a Baltimore kid um, so I, I have this deep affinity and appreciation for my town. And so, um, and I call it a town, even though we're a city, but like having lived in San Francisco and other li- uh, major cities, um, it feels small. Baltimore is like a, a bunch of neighborhoods. I think we have something like over 200 neighborhoods, um, you know, ranging in sizes. And um, it just feels, you know, uh, when I finished my PhD, which is really nice to come home. And so I was just like, every time I flew from, um, Uh, Bradley International Airport, uh, home from school to back to Baltimore and DWI, you just see that that lining when I just knew I was home and my heart just was like it felt it felt renewed in a way that like I knew that I needed to come home Um, and uh, so I'm kind of obsessed with Baltimore like I think it's probably one of the best places to live. Mm -hmm. Um, I know for folks listening uh, y'all might not agree but you know, for someone that's born and raised here, it's actually a pretty cool gym. Um, yeah.
0: yeah. So. What's the? What are some of the things that, if you could put your finger on it, describe like that? That um, make
1: you proud to be there. So I mean, like, I think because we're a neighborhood, uh, um, a city of neighborhoods, I think um generally folks show up for each other and you know and of course that's going to be to, vary, to varying degrees throughout you know the city depending on where you are um i particularly live in a, um, a high i would say a hyperactive community um and so we're always looking out for each other so when this um sort of quarantine situation happened folks were already on the ground organizing how do we get groceries to our neighbors who are elderly um mm-hmm. or who have might have um sort of uh, complications that might make them more susceptible to um, COVID-19. Um, and so how do we do that uh, with some integrity? And um, and then like, or like, how do we use our um, uh, older school buildings or community spaces to make sure that folks have food generally? So um, just community members. So I think that's something that really inspires me, because folks went to, went they just was like, well, something needs to get done, and they began to do it. Um, I think also Baltimore' is just very beautiful, like the the we're old as city right so like the buildings are old, we have some beautiful architecture um, and uh because Baltimore has been um, uh, historically like a, a blue collar working class um town um I think what was uh, beautiful about it was that there's this this level of ruggedness that um i which is probably born out of you know the my affinity for it is because I lived through it. That feels um, kind of refreshing. Um, so uh, folks don't seem as pretentious um, as other places that I've been uh, or lived. Uh, and I think just because we're on the you know we're kind of southern, um, folks are generally a little bit nicer. Um, not as nice as folks on California
0: but generally nicer so
1: than folks from dc or new york so i think <laughs> uh, don't come for me y'all so you know i just <laughs>
0: um well I, yeah I, new york new york definitely has a reputation for being kind of you know brazen I, I found i don't know but maybe when i was younger i didn't really like dc because uh, um, like when i was a young professional in my early 20s because it was such a high emphasis on where you worked you know and like, oh what do you do um, but certainly back around this time when I just got there, I was like, man, this place is like, I, I really enjoyed it. I was like, this place is black, it's beautiful. It's not as black as it used to be. It,
1: it, right, that's <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: But compared to San Francisco, I was like, there's hella black
1: people here. There's hella kind of black people. <laughs>
0: yeah. uh, Baltimore, uh, let's get into that. Let's talk about like, you know, a lot of these. I feel like I feel like my cocoa quarantine is like Black History Month again. I'm just talking mm-hmm. to like Black like excellence from all over the place. <laughs> like I had the lady that uh, the lady um, Danielle Belton on. She's the editor in chief of the Root. Um, I think I took oh, about right. yeah the other So Black Baltimore, like I, the the story of gentrification is happening in multiple cities. Like what's what's going on around uh, Baltimore on that topic, and and what is this is black population sort of consistent right
1: now? Yeah, so Baltimore has been, you know, dubbed as a chocolate city. Um, We have consistently had a population, I'd say about 65% black. Mm -hmm. Um, And so uh, I think we, you know, we'll see what happens with this new census that comes out. Um, But I think we're still probably about, um, you know, maybe about 60, 63% black folks. Um, And I think that 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 number sort of um, has stayed consistent, Partly because of some gentrification um, and, but when you start to dig into Baltimore's history of redlining and um, sort of like displacement of folks, like is Baltimore is deeply racist, it was, you know, if you look at the, the historical context of, of the city, um, we had a high proportion of um, free blacks um, back in the day, right, um, that wasn't normal. Um, and, and yet that we, um, we live in this contradiction that there was also, um, Uh, enslavement pens at the same inner harbor that we go to and um, it's touted as one of our our core features of attraction. Um, But I think sort of what that really meant for the policy landscape and sort of how things began to shift in Baltimore is that um, where they were actually sending black people in, um, they were also, of course, that meant that there were a lack of resources that were going there. Um, So the places that we've seen flip recently Um, Like the areas are part of um, uh, folks who are familiar with North Avenue, Baltimore. um, That was an area that was um, traditionally black. um, Also meant that it didn't have access to a lot of resources. Now all of a sudden folks came in, it's rebranded as, um, you know, Station North, um, our arts district. Um, You get these great restaurants starting to pop up in places. Um, Not to say we don't need an art district, uh, but that also meant that folks are being displaced. And so I think, like trying to deal with that sort of dichotomy um, of uh, of our existence where you know folks who have been here for really long periods of time, and then the fact that some people think that in order to have good things that it has to be gentrified um, mm-hmm. that it shouldn't be, it shouldn 't be like that i don 't think we have to live in that sort of duality like um, you know we have a lot of black artists here, we have a lot of um, black, um, strong black working class families, um, strong black poor families, right? Because I keep reminding folks, you know, um just because you're poor don't mean that you're um somehow in- inefficient or defective or um you got or somehow lacking inherently in character or quality. Um no, nah, like we have folks who who are committed to their families, trying to make a living, trying to um do what's right for not only their their communities, but the city at large. And I think um, in addition to a pretty substantial middle class Black, mm-hmm. you know, I'd say um, um, historically um, a community as well. So I, you know, I struggle with the, the piece around gentrification because uh, unfortunately it means that um, folks are just kind of being moved and shifted around into um, communities that don't have a lot of resources. So mm-hmm. we're not spared. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, and you know, I think that's kind of just the reality of life across, I think, many major cities. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's messed up. Yeah, it's, absolutely. It's yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And
0: um, it, it's, 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 it's also, I mean, this, you, see, you see this story play out in the, these historic black cities. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, as someone at the forefront of, like yourself on the forefront of trying to prepare, um, you know, a new generation to, to take the helm and 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 lead the city and and just participate um, in a very beneficial way, right? Like as community members or, or what have you. Um, something that we have to pay attention to uh, with with the public school system in Baltimore. Um, I was looking at some of the stats, like the all the all the you know what what urban school districts. Um, and I, we talked about this in DC, I think, briefly when we met. But many urban school districts often struggle with, um, like, you know, the opportunity gap, like low yeah. test scores. Uh, yeah. Francisco does. Um, the, there's there's a lot more African American students in Baltimore. Uh, and it's, you know, so talk a little bit about, like, some of the great things happening in. Baltimore Public Schools, some of the challenges that you're facing?
1: Yeah, so I mean, I think right now I get to serve at a a time when I feel like um, the cards are starting to fall in line, right? Um, So um, we have uh, a a wonderful CEO in leadership who um, has a vision, um, particularly our focus on restorative practice um, and social emotional learning um, that was not here. Um, I'd say, well, you know, 10, 15 years ago. Um, And so we have the local players through our community partners pushing um, restorative practice and restorative justice, um, social emotional learning. Um, We have now sort of internal leadership pushing that. And I think as we begin to see on the board that we're all in agreement that those are priorities in terms of like actually um, addressing some of the long systemic issues uh, around academic achievement in in Baltimore City. so that really makes me excited. Um, that doesn't mean that everything's going well, or uh, that, that, you know, um, if I wasn't on the Zoom, would you, I, I wouldn't say a whole bunch of other things that, um, <laughs> um, to, to point out some of the challenges and the, the kinks, but I think by and large, I feel like um, for the task that at hand for a community like Baltimore that has, uh, for the children have been systemically underfunded and underinvested in, um, leadership that sees them as important, valuable, um, deserving, and then willing to put their time and energy in to get that money and the resources reinvested in them, I think you, you can't underestimate that. And so I'm, glad to, I'm really proud to serve at this particular moment in time, because I get to weigh in on that. I get to say, um, yeah, I love all my kids in Baltimore City, um, all of my students, my scholars, um, now, tell me a little bit about sort of like how we're making sure that um, the black LGBT kids are taken care of, the black uh, kids with disabilities are taken care of. So I get to begin to deepen the analysis so that um, the folks who, the students who've been historically falling through the cracks, right? because there's just this, if we look at all students and then you start to look in layers and you go deeper and deeper and deeper, you get to find wider and wider disparities. And mm-hmm. so what our, what is our, uh, um, what's going on with that large um, or emerging, uh, immigrant community? How are we taking care of them? Are we doing right by um, our Latino students, primarily, but we have a whole bunch of different students from um, a lot of different countries, folks are um, coming in as refugees, um, uh, or immigrating to Baltimore, and like, how is a district being responsive to that? So I feel like, um, at this particular moment in time, we, we um, um, there's a lot of opportunity, but that means that there's also a lot of work to do to, to address some of those gaps. Um, when I think about sort of, you know, why those gaps have persisted, so I mentioned that the, the, the underfunding, um, if you begin to look at the, um, some of the Baltimore literature um, around education, you'll begin to find that there was, um, um, after the recession, I believe in uh, 2008, um, maybe a little bit before that, um, there was a dip in funding for students um and uh the system broadly but that meant for you know each dollar amount per student decreased um that money never increased after the recession was over um so when we were looking at some reports because we were back in this funding um this particular historic moment for baltimore with which the current commission which was to try to get a massive infusion of money to um rebuild not only the infrastructure because baltimore has some of the oldest school buildings um in the country um but then we also have um a uh, systemically underfunded district, uh, and so through the work of the Kerwin Commission, we were really trying to um, get billions of dollars reinvested um, into um, Maryland broadly, um, but then a large part of that would come to Baltimore because we're the largest educational agency in the state, right. um, and um, so we're we're working with you know at this point uh, eighty thousand students, um, and so. I was a lot of the extra, yeah eighty thousand
0: students what's the what's the annual budget for the district
1: so I think we're about one point five billion okay. um uh might be a little more um yeah. we yeah. haven't seen yeah. these new numbers
0: I mean yeah track,
1: yeah no 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 yeah for real that's yeah, so it's kind of like um so when I was as I kind of go back and like do my stuff right and so looking at the policy landscape of baltimore um um, you know, we had mayors, you know, setting up some uh, racial segregation audiences, you know, um, that were adopted by folks across the country, like in the early 19th century, mm-hmm. um, um, rather 20th century. Um, and so, um, you know, we, the redlining I mentioned, uh, we have some great resources that look at sort of um, where folks were um, lending and um, where were they uh, sending folks to, and particularly Black folks in terms of communities. Um, and when you begin to just look at how all of those compounding things um, shape up, that means that basically for generations, uh, you have had um, Black folks and their the young people growing up in a space that. Um, was never really um, funded appropriately, um, partly because uh, they weren't even supposed to be educated. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, at one point we had two different districts, a district for the black kids and a district for the white kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I think we're, we're trying to recover from some of that larger historic systemic stuff, um, but then um, also some of the more contemporary issues that we're facing um, around, um, you know, displacement of whole communities in Baltimore City, um, you know, sort of the tearing down of particular projects and what that does to sort of communities and families. And, um, you know, of course, the, the war on drugs was huge here. Um, so a lot of folks was, uh, locked, uh, were imprisoned. And um, so all of that matters when you think about the, the wholeness of a young person and them trying to access um, their highest level of um, academic achievement. Um, and they're beyond that their highest level of um, humanity. And I think, um, unfortunately, a lot of that's been robbed of, of students, particularly black students in, in Baltimore City.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, New Orleans is my favorite city. Mm. And, um, Same here. Actually, no. yeah. For San Francisco, New Orleans is my favorite city. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and New Orleans is another city that is uh, like sixty over sixty percent African American. Mm-hmm. New Orleans also, um, similar to Baltimore, has had like these issues happen around um, their mayors getting into trouble, like oh. same things happen like in, in D.C. Um, and you know, like no no city mayor is immune from you know like running into something around whatever um, and. And it made me also think about, like, Newark. And I was thinking, like, is, is um, with um, – when, when Cory Booker came to Newark, uh, there was, like, all this new attention around this sort of, like, academically elite person coming in to, like, say, Baltimore. Um, or to Newark, I'm sorry. Newark. yeah. Um, do, you, do you think that the city of Baltimore is, like, looking for that type of leadership? Like, what is the um, – that's sort of like a – there's a lot in that question. But, um,
1: yeah, so, I, you know, honestly, what's um, going on with and,
0: the political landscape in Baltimore. Like, I remember, like, with uh, the brother that passed, um, Freddie Gray. Freddie Gray. And he, you had, what you, you had, the, you had the DA that, uh, had a lot of national headlines.
1: Oh, well, that could be <laughs> getting a number of people. <laughs>
0: well, she, she was, she was, uh, speaking out against like holding charges against the officers that oh baltimore. oh yeah. yeah yeah that's pretty great yeah. yeah 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 and what was the woman's name that um marilyn mosby okay okay yeah so what's going on in baltimore around like, the political stuff it's like
1: yeah so you know um and you know from my perspective um having grown up in baltimore city what's become clear to me is that um everyday folks should not expect that um their governments um will save them i and this is me i might have it might sound a little critical i'm a critical and cynical i think there's a um i think folks in this city deserve exemplary leaders um and At the same time, folks have to take care of themselves. And that's why I'm so proud of the community initiatives uh, that uh, self initiated across the city. Um, And we also have some dope folks in the city leadership who are all about the people and trying to get them access to the resources and vital things that they need. Um, So, you know, uh, I just think so, for example, um, you know, we're up for um, mayor's run. uh new mayor to, to 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 be selected um you know in my mind i think it's a thankless job honestly i, I feel like you know my time looking at systems large systems bureaucratic systems is that it, it's very hard they're hard to manage um and it requires so much energy and insight. I think with folks who, you know, who I'm looking for for this next round of leadership in the city, I want them to be a little bit younger. I want them to come from um, a perspective that's a little more um, creative and less traditional. Um, one of the things that I think Baltimore is gifted many of us who grew up here is um, um, sort of this uh, uh, let's play it safe mentality. Um, and I think, um, I don't, think that's, I don't think that's where we are anymore. I feel like our challenges are really complex and I feel like we need a, a, a different kind of leadership. Um, and for me, that means a different bi- a vision um, way forward. I think, that's, I think that means that we need um, someone who's big, big, big goals. We're really trying to do some big things because you know, when you try to do big things, when it gets through the bureaucracy, it'll be a much more condensed version of what you try to do anyway. So I need y'all to go all out. Um, but I don't think people are in Baltimore looking for a savior. Um, I think that, that that ship has sailed um, and I think what people are looking for is honest and um, leadership, uh, leadership with integrity um, and I don't know what it is it's about a political process and uh, God knows if you look across this country, corruption seems to be at every turn so I don't think we're particularly unique in sort of um, corruption um, or anything like that but I don't know that there might be something in how political work is done or the types of alliances that sort of might predispose folks to make some decisions that are questionable um, and sometimes put um, their constituents um, uh, in, in in harm's way and so you know that's kind of my take on it i I feel like um, at this point, what I want for us is I want clear leadership. I want honest, authentic um, creators, um, innovators, folks who are really they're willing to take some challenges um, and um, more transparency and accountability. And I think if we can get those two things, I think we we actually be doing pretty well uh, as a city.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and you know, and I don't want to see. I don't want to see Baltimore become a part of a discussion where they where they need that either. You know, I think I think that was sort of the point I was trying to get at. Is that um, I know a lot of incredible people are coming out of that city, and because of the headlines, it could be like this place where an opportunist is looking to come in and like take over or whatever. Uh, we're, we're 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 approaching the top of the hour, and um, oh, I do want to. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, it was so much. Maybe we should do a part two at some point because there's like a <laughs> lot of uh, that I wanted to unpack. Because you know, I've I've never been. Yeah. Want to go? And I'm I'm so intrigued by. Um,
1: I will make sure you're taken care of when you do show up uh, <laughs> on this show. <laughs> okay. One
0: of, one of my one of my close friends from college actually lives in Baltimore, and he um uh he works in city government. I, I forget the agency now, but um, but yeah. So we're in we're in shelter in place. or in quarantine. <laughs> uh, what is what has it been like for you? Like, how are you like adjusting?
1: Yeah, for real. So I think, um, you know, it's hard. Um, as an introvert. I was good for like two weeks because I'm used to like just having like my small community of folks around me spending lots of time in the house anyway. Um, I'm also a gamer. So like, this is a great time to be on my game downstairs just playing, um, without interruption or judgment. Um, So, (laughs) you know, um, but honestly, like, you know, the dynamic is different, right? So usually I could go out, sit at a coffee shop and just do my thing, even if I'm not even engaging with folks. Now that's really hard. So um, I think what our neighbors have done is, you know, um, so because we are uh, in row houses, you know, every maybe week or so, we're coming out for a happy hour, you know, cause we, there's plenty of distance between us um, and we're still building community. Um, we're still um, engaging and supporting one another. Um, I think the mental health toll though, is just real. And so, um, you know, I've been, I've having to like, uh, you know, I was just trying to get my fitness back on and, you know, and then they were like, oops, the gym's closed. And so I'm like, yo, like, What's up with that? And so like all my little muscles gone. I'm like <laughs> through all this, you know, these phases and changes. Um, uh-huh. And you know, that hasn't that's a toll. Cause what I discovered later in life that I go to exercise um, for my mental health and less about sort of what my body looks like. I'm both, they should be in good condition, but like, mm-hmm. um, so like now I've been able to like, um, you know I've been having to make time to make sure that I go for a run. Um, Finding, um, uh, I went to the track, uh, we have a reservoir, uh, and it has a track around it, just took some pictures as I was running of just like beautiful spring stuff, like a beautiful flower. Um, And then what I've been realizing is that a lot lately that I, you know, during times of crisis personally and internally, in order for me to stay grounded, I also need to stay in ritual. And so what are the things that I do religiously? um, And that's not in a spiritual way, but in a a way that means repetitiously that somehow grounds me. Um, And uh, a part of that is um, going outside and running. Um, And then also that will also be gardening once it's it's warm enough um, to be outside and making sure that I lean into all of the things that make me um, feel more connected and less disconnected, even though I can't be physically close to the people that I, I, I want to, uh, anymore. So
0: yeah, I was gonna ask you if you had a routine, it sounds like, do you have a daily routine, like a morning routine or anything like that? Or is that,
1: yeah. So my, the only thing that I can commit to right now is like trying to leave the house to do a run, um, like every couple of days. Um, yeah. but I think it will shift when I have to go into the garden. Um, in which case it's every morning I'm going out in the water. Um, to pull weeds and, and to get ready for, for springtime. Mm-hmm. Do you have a book recommendation? Ooh, um, let's see. I think at this time, like the first book that always comes to my mind is um, All About Love by Bell Hooks. Um, okay. And that was what my dissertation um, research was about, uh, love um, specifically um, and- What's per- your PhD uh, in? Education. Okay. Um, but Doctor you know. Commissioner Doctor. <laughs> that's yeah, why. but it was. It was <laughs> <laughs> My bad. <laughs> no, <laughs> <what's going> <laughs> no, you know. So, um, but yeah, but it was about love from a black black queer context, and so, um, so when I think about a time now when I need to feel um, and re envision what love looks like for, for us um, as a as a community as a people, um, I kind of look to that book for guidance. Um, and, and, and I think for me, it just kind of settles my soul uh, in a way that I think I need right now.
0: Hmm. Do you have a music recommendation?
1: Oh, my God. So it my homeboy from Cali just put me on to Doja Cat. Um, didn't know who she was. Oh,
0: okay. I think I, I seen I, it here on Spotify. I haven't I don't know her stuff though. I'm gonna check it out. Yo,
1: it's it's I, I'm feeling it. So I'm like, okay, when I'm running outside, that's what I'm listening to right now, Doja Cat. <laughs> okay, okay, okay.
0: Um, do you have a motto?
1: A motto. Um, let's see, that's well, usually I try to give myself a, every year a new motto. Um I don't know. So I, I got a tattoo that says, um, uh, live from your heart, leap with love, and your soul shall not know the thing of regret. Um, and so that's kind of what I live by every single day and um, try to, to be my best version of myself, uh, even when we're not in a pandemic. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. That's what's up. That's
0: what's up. Um, so yeah, thank you, Daryl Brooks, the uh, commissioner, doctor. <laughs> thank, thank, um, thank you. Thank you. Uh so I run a company called Luther Harris Holding Company. We say um we do strategic advising, uh, diversity recruitment, and um relationship building for other institutions. Um you can find me at on Twitter at Stevon Cook on Instagram at Stevon Cook. Um Stevoncook.com. How do they get a hold of you? My
1: um list. folks can find me on like Instagram, if you want to see me, it's, it's just Dr. underscore Durell, which is my first name. That's D-U-R-R-Y-L-E. Um, or you can actually look at uh, go to www.durell.com. And you can see um, sort of what I do, sort of my areas of expertise, sort of what I do in the community, just kind of do that front facing page that kind of um, tell you a little bit about me. And of course, you can send a, uh, an email to me uh, through durell.com as well. Okay, Dr. Brooks, thank you so much that. for the time. I appreciate this, and we definitely need to do a part two. And I also needed to connect with you, um, just to hear more about your experience living in San Francisco as a Black man, because I have stories about what that's like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I should. Yeah, we should definitely do that.